and he had kept faith with his late grandfather, Ettore, in doing what had to be done to preserve the palazzo for future generations, when money might not be in such liberal supply. Valente drank his black coffee and savoured the moment for which he'd had to work five long years to bring it about. Now he owned Hale's Transport, which had finally been brought to its knees by the toxic effect of Matthew Bailey's fraudulent and incompetent management. Valente had also become the owner of a crumbling old house called Winterwood. It was a deeply personal moment of boundless satisfaction for him. As a rule, he was neither a patient man nor a vengeful one. After all, he had not sought revenge on his own family who had left his ailing mother to work as a maid in order to feed and clothe her son. Indeed, if asked, Valente, who generally lived very much in the present, would have said that acts of revenge were a waste of time, and that it was better to move on and forget the past, for the future should hold a more exciting and worthwhile challenge. Unhappily, however, Valente deliberated with a harsh expression etched on his bronzed features. Even after five years, he had yet to meet a woman who excited him anything like as much as his former English bride-to-be, Caroline Hales, once had. His tiny artist with her pale hair and mist-coloured eyes, who had wept inconsolably when anyone had been cruel to animals, but who had, without apparent hesitation or apology, jilted him at the altar, for a richer man from a more socially acceptable background. Just five short years earlier, Valente had been an ordinary working man, a truck driver, who'd worked long hours while struggling to complete a business degree in what time was left over. Life had been tough, but good, until he'd made the very great mistake of falling head over heels in love with the daughter of the owner of Hale's Transport. And Caro, as her adoring family called her, had played him for a fool from the outset, he acknowledged bitterly. She had strung Matthew Bailey and Valente along and had, regardless of her claims to love Valente, ultimately married Matthew at a big, showy wedding. Valente savoured the prospect of extracting punishment for those offences against him. He was no longer poor and powerless. Indeed, it had been the rage and aggression incited by the thought of the woman he loved, lying naked and willing in another man's arms, which had made Valente so fiercely determined to succeed. Soon, however, Caroline would be lying naked and willing in his arms, Valente reflected with a saturnine smile. He could only hope the grieving widow he had seen pictured clad in the unrelieved black of mourning would prove to be worth the effort and expense he had already expended on her behalf. Still, at least he could ensure that when he peeled off the mourning clothes she was at least dressed to his taste. He unfurled his mobile phone, and called the owner of Italy's most exclusive lingerie atelier to put in a special order. A Caroline-sized order, in pastel colours that would enhance her pale skin and dainty curves with the finest materials and trimmings available. Even the thought of her parading her sublimely graceful little body in such flimsy apparel for his entertainment caused a painful tightening in Valente's groin. He reckoned that he was a little too sexually hungry for comfort and coolness. He would pay a visit to his current bedmate, Agnese, before he flew to England to take possession of his new mistress and everything precious to her. It was time. His moment had come.
Valente punched out some numbers on his mobile phone and made the call he had been working towards for five years. Twenty-four hours before Valente made that phone call, Caroline Bailey, formerly Hales, had been engaged in an increasingly upsetting dialogue with her parents. Yes, of course I realized that the firm was in trouble last year, but just when did you mortgage the house? In the autumn. The firm needed capital, and pledging the house as security was the only way we could get a bank loan. Joe Hales settled his portly frame down heavily into an armchair. There's nothing we can do about it now, Caro. We've lost the lot. We couldn't keep up the payments, and the house has been repossessed. Why on earth didn't you tell me about this at the time? Caroline prompted in disbelief.